people. It was a late night last night for Sir Geoffrey. I am pleased to report that the party executive has now endorsed the proposals that I have put to them. The party has concluded that subject to the binding commitments between the Democratic Unionist Party and the UK Government being fully and faithfully delivered as agreed, including the tabling and passing of new legislative measures in Parliament and final final agreement on a timetable, the package of measures in totality does provide a basis for our party to nominate members to the Northern Ireland Executive thus seeing the restoration of the locally elected institutions. That in the small hours of the morning. Since that, Sir Geoffrey's been talking in a variety of interviews and he's made it clear that the Irish Sea border has gone, that the green lane, there will be no checks, no paperwork whatsoever. Let me speak to Professor John Tong. Is, is that a big claim that he's making, John? Can he stand over that, that the green lane will be free of checks, there'll be no paperwork? If he's achieved that, he's done well, hasn't he? Yeah, morning, Frank. It's a big win if what Jeffrey Donaldson is claiming is true because it does away. All checks have been done away with, all physical checks on goods going from Great Britain to Northern Ireland only, and all uh, paper, all customs checks are done away with on goods going Great Britain to Northern Ireland only. It's common sense in many ways. Why should goods this side of the United Ireland be be checked going from one part of the United Kingdom to, to another? It was always anathema to, to unionists. So it's a big win if, it, if it's true. Um, obviously, there is still an Irish Sea border. There was always, that was always going to be the case because no one wanted, whatever side you're on on this particular argument, no one wanted a uh, hard border on the island of Ireland. So there was always going to be an Irish Sea border for goods going from Great Britain to Northern Ireland and onwards into the EU single market. That remains in place. So in other words, all trade going GB and I to the EU is red channel. All uh, goods going GB to NI only are green channel and not subject to any checks. So it's it's like a good goods going from Liverpool to Belfast will be treated the same as goods going from Liverpool to Manchester, in effect. So uh, that's a, a big win. I mean, that, that is a big win. Jeffrey Donaldson can legitimately turn around, if this is true, and say, I protected the place of Northern Ireland within the UK internal market. I mean, he's got legislation as well regarding... Uh, goods going from NI to, G- to GB, well, that was never the issue uh, anyway. Um, it was a problem. That's legislation to solve a problem that doesn't really exist. Uh, and he's also got legislation on the constitutional position of Northern Ireland regarding the Act of Union. But again, Northern Ireland's place in the United Kingdom is explicitly conditional, and that's governed by the terms of the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, it, Northern Ireland remains in the UK for so long as the majority of its people so choose. Um, so again, I'm not quite sure what problem that particular legislation is trying to uh, trying to address. But in terms of the actual trading relationship, that's where uh, the DUP leader can claim a victory. I think the issues now are whether those dissenters within his own party will row in behind this. I think they probably will, but they clearly exist. I mean, you had the farce at one point. I thought the meeting was going to be called off last night. You had the farce of, of one member of the DUP clearly providing a live broadcast to, to Jamie Bryson, who's live-tweeting it uh, from, beyond, um, from beyond the meeting, and the fact the executive lasted five hours, and the fact that Jeffrey Donaldson didn't want to disclose the vote, uh, the actual figures for the vote that had been taken uh, on uh, whether they supported his move, that suggests a very high level of dissent to me. 
But if he can manage his own party, then at least, you know, he, he can claim he's had a significant win here. Um, the question is whether everyone will now fall into line. I, I suspect they will because they've nowhere else to go politically. Uh, life is pretty bleak electorally beyond the DUP. Yeah, so Geoffrey, clear that whoever was tweeting to Bryson and then Bryson relaying it, that it was inaccurate material, that it, it didn't reflect what was happening in the room. I think that's dangerous territory for Jeffrey Donaldson to go down. There's no doubt Jamie Bryson will have a transcript uh, of this and we'll, we'll make it available via his uh, social media channel, uh, via his uh, X-stroke Twitter account uh, pretty quickly if that, uh, if that is the case. Um, I mean, uh, where, where, is, where there is difference in the two accounts is Jamie Bryson was saying that Jeffrey was claimed on uh, social media. Let's face it, a lot of us were following the action through, through Jamie Bryson's Twitter account. Let's, let's be honest about this. Uh, Jamie Bryson said that Sir Jeffrey had said there would only be, re- be reduced checks on goods going from Great Britain to Northern Ireland. Jeffrey Donaldson has said this morning that there will be no checks now on goods going Great Britain to Northern Ireland only. So there is a divergence there in terms of what was said. Um, but I, I suspect that, um, that Mr. Bryson would have a, uh, uh, a transcript. So probably it's best probably to just move on from uh, uh, from that one. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't, if I was uh, Sir Jeffrey, the parting of the ways of Jamie Bryson is evident, and um, uh, couldn't have been couldn't have been clearer last night. Was this uh, a, was this a, best not. yeah? But was this a real coup for Jamie Bryson last night, or did he embarrass unionism? Well, it was both in, in one sense. Yeah, he embarrassed unity, embarrassed the DUP because they were they were the party officials were scattering around the room trying to find who, who the culprit was. And the fact is, someone within the DUP executive uh, decided that they would broadcast it to, 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 to Jamie Bryson. So it is an embarrassment for, for the DUP, for sure. Now, in the, you know, the longer this goes on, if we have a restored devolved power sharing executive, the fuss about the meeting being, meeting security being breached, that, that will fade. And what will matter will be the restored devolved power sharing executive. But it did reduce, at times, things to, to near farce last night were... You know, at one point, the DUP officials are shouting, "Get your phones off!" to, to people, uh, even though clearly someone was was uh, had a link to Jamie Bryson and was getting the was broadcasting the entire thing to him. It just shows that you know there are strong internal opponents of uh, Sir Jeffrey's compromises uh, within the DUP. But where do they go now? You know, I, I think that is, that is the issue. They could they could still do damage. I mean, you know, if the TUV was to stand against the DUP in, in constituencies at the Westminster election, as now appears prob- quite probable, I think, if that splits to some extent the unionist vote in, in tight constituencies, there's a possibility that sort of, the DUP might lose a couple of seats and Sinn Féin becomes the largest party in not just the Assembly, not just local government, but also uh, Westminster elections. Another embarrassment for the DUP in some ways. But Geoffrey Donaldson, you know, he, he was decided to, to go brave last night. We knew the parting of the ways uh, was coming or had come anyway. It came in the House of Commons last week when he denounced the TUV and others who, you know, in his view, not contributed anything. Uh, and he, will, he, he was obviously dressing it up. I mean, if you're a leader, you've got to dress up the deal you've got. But he can point to some significant amendments to the window. He's not removed the window framework, for sure. But if everything goes green channel, GB to NI, that's a significant amendment to the Windsor framework in a way that, you know, people, and I include myself in that, thought, whilst it was common sense, 
didn't think it was possible. And, and just finally, uh, John, is there a possibility that when everyone sees this particular agreement uh, over the next 24 hours, that Sir Geoffrey will be hiding behind the sofa, sort of holding his breath, <laughs> or will, will he be confident? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's spun it to the maximum. He spun it to the maximum last night. He's spun it on the, on, on the order. He's already been spinning it to the maximum on the airwaves this morning. If the legislation, when it is published by the British government, doesn't come up to the mark and doesn't offer all the things that Sir Geoffrey was, was claiming last night, then he's in trouble because it would only need a couple of big hitters in the DUP to come out and say, actually, you know, sorry, but this is this is just not what was said at the executive meeting. Um, you know, and how, how it was portrayed, then he's in trouble. I, I, I think that, you know, he's, he's, he's put the best spin on it. I think now it's over to people to, to look at the legislation uh, and, and work out what it actually means. I, I think some of this legislation is superfluous anyway. I think ultimately what people care about is whether you've got seamless trade between Great Britain and Northern Ireland and whether that affects uh, the things in the shops, etc. Uh, yeah, I think, Jeffrey Robinson, he, he's... You know, in one way he's won, and there is going to be a devolved power sharing executive restored. Whether it will be a stable devolved power sharing executive, and whether it's just a transfer of rowing with other unionists, and facing them down to, you know, having a row a day with, with Sinn Féin, uh, that's another matter. I think the other big significance, of course, is that a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of nationalists believed that the DUP would never sign up to a deal in which there was a nationalist first minister. You know, assuming that the deal goes through, uh, it does give a lie uh, to that particular hypothesis. John, thank you very much indeed. Professor John Tong, Professor of Politics at Liverpool University, thank you indeed. Mick Fieldy from Slugger O'Toole listening to all of this. Um, Mick, what did you think overnight last night and into tomorrow, uh, into today? It, it was like a pantomime stroke circus stroke far stroke father ted comedy act but it's so so serious and so vital that the outcome of it leads to what the majority of people would wish it to lead to would be the opinions of people listening to radio programs and reading newspapers this morning how did you view all of what you were made aware of over the last 12 to 24 hours Look, I think, um, you know, my, my colleague Brian O'Neill and Slugger called it a farce. And I think, um, given what John's just said, that's that's exactly right. But I do think that people like Jamie Bryson and whoever uh, he had in that room have overplayed their hand. Um, in, in, the, and in a way, the way that it was done so brazenly, I think, has left his contact in the executive as something of a patsy. Inside, uh, not not least because that person's interpretation differs quite substantially from the deal that Jeff- Sir Geoffrey has finally come out with. A substantial deal, um, you know. Uh, John's conditions there at the very end are true, but actually the penalty for the Prime Minister going back on a supposed deal, I think, are uh, probably prohibitive in him him doing that. We're looking at this very much through, through the lens of Northern Ireland. But this is significant for the whole of the United Kingdom because effectively what the the DUP have managed to get from a British Prime Minister is um, some form of guarantee, whether it's legislative or whether it's only conventional, um, it it almost matters not. um, But but the whole of the United Kingdom now will basically have something like a soft Brexit 
with the dynamic alignment, I think I mentioned this a few times on your program before, that Theresa Deal, uh, Theresa May, the Theresa May deal was kind of outlining. So this is not just substantial in terms of going back into Stormont. It's actually very substantial for the whole of the United Kingdom. And in fact, actually, you know, although it may be subject to some radicalist uh, Brexit-led uh, government in the future to undo all of this stuff, it's in line with some of the things that Sir Keir Starmer has been saying about uh, where he wants to see the Labour Party go with, with um, you know, UK-European Union um, uh, relations. So it's, it's not just quite a coup for Northern Ireland, it's quite a coup for... Uh, the United Kingdom. In effect, what Sir Geoffrey and the DUP have done to the British Conservative Party is ask them the fundamental question, which matters more to you, the future of the United Kingdom and its integrity, or the future of Brexit? And um, having faced them down, uh, Sir Geoffrey's got his answer. The United Kingdom is the thing that, that, uh, that um, Rishi Sunak is putting first. And, you know, the sideshow, uh, of last night, I think, will fade, as John rightly says, in, into the background because uh, because the, of the enormity of the deal that they've managed to pull off here. If, We've all been waiting yes, for them. Yeah, but, 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 but there's a big time. if in all of this. There's a big if. We, we haven't yeah. seen the deal. And if Sir Geoffrey yeah. has oversold it to his executive, if the patsy, as you call him, in the executive yeah. is actually right, and when it is looked at in detail tomorrow, and we see that the green lanes are still having checks or there still are paperwork related to the green lanes, then we begin to think, well, maybe maybe the Patsy's right. Maybe Bryson and Jim Allister are actually right on this. And Sir Geoffrey has oversold something to us that isn't what he said it is. Well, no, that's true. And, uh, you know, every word you've said is true. But the point, the point then is that the British Prime Minister will either have to uh, to, to back down of what looks like a coup in terms of getting Northern Ireland back. Um, but at some point, and I think I've said this uh, before on your programme, Frank, that if this is, if this, if Sunak cannot deliver this deal, then this is roughly the shape of the deal that the DUP could expect of an incoming Labour government. The idea that the, the, the UK, I mean, look, Sunak's already basically said he's going to retain the European safety mark, the CE mark, there's going to be no uh, mention of a separate UK mark. That is already a kind of an, um, an acceptance, a, you know, an, a latent acceptance that the fundamentalist idea that the UK can operate out with um, any connection with the single market, its largest local um, single consumer market, I think is, is absolutely for the birds. And, and the problem that, that um, um, Jim and uh, Jamie have is that, that, that this fundamentally disappoints them on two levels. One, um, the DUP is not going to stay out with these institutions that Jim has always been very sceptical of, and that the fundamentalist Brexit that they once dreamed of is simply not a practical going concern. So I think I, I, I'm being optimistic here, but I'm being optimistic within certain parameters of, of, of reality. So either Sunak gets the credit for doing this deal now or Sir Keir Starmer will get the credit for doing it later on. This is the one place this could have been solved and, and uh, Sunak simply moved, mo- moved everything further forward. As I say, if you look at it simply on the deal of who's right and who's wrong about, uh, about 
what this deal looks like from within unionism, you get you may get you may get some ambiguity. But if you look at it from the wider perspective of the United Kingdom's relationship with the European Union, I, I think that the, the, the deal makes sense from that point of view. Um, and, and, and Sir Geoffrey, in a way, can take credit for being the active ingredient in this. The contrast between the deal that um, Sir Geoffrey has struck with Rishi Sunak and the one that brought Sinn Féin back into, uh, into government, um, how many every year ago? It was four years ago now. Uh, you know, supposedly on the demand of getting an Act Gaelic or an Irish Language Act, which never materialised out of those things. I think the, there is a substantial difference between the role-playing aspect of that earlier boycott and the very substantial gains, I think, that the DUP ha- has by its stubborn intransigence uh, actually managed to pull off. It's a very rare victory for, victory for unionism, uh, and it's one that I think they should relish. And just to echo what John said at the very end there, I think this idea that uh, Sir Geoffrey is worried about serving as a deputy to Sinn Féin First Minister, that that lie has been uh, absolutely nailed through this, or it will be if and when the institutions come back. And I think that will create a far calmer uh, less sectarian, less tribalised um, condition for us to go back to work uh, on, and I think that's very much welcome as well. Okay, McField, he, uh, thank you very much indeed. McField's analysis from Slugger O'Toole, Owen Tennyson from the Alliance Party, uh, listening to all of that. Um, do you get a sense there are people thinking this morning that debt of gratitude is owed to Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, Owen Tennyson? Well, I, I'm not sure I, I would put it quite like that, Frank. I mean, I think it's a day of mixed emotions for many people. I think, obviously, it is good news that we're now on a path to restoration. We're certainly in a better place than we were 24 hours ago. And certainly, from my perspective, I'm optimistic at the prospect of finally being able to take my seat after an election which took place two years ago, getting on with my full job and representing the people of Upper Ban in the way that they elected me to. But... I think people are also deeply conscious about the huge damage that has been caused over the past two years, and indeed out of five of the last seven years, without an executive there delivering for people in terms of health, education. And there is now a massive interest, I think, facing incumbent ministers and an executive, which, which could have been avoided. I also think people will have watched the scenes last night and will not think that that is a good omen in terms of stability because some of what was playing out on social media was was farcical and so from our perspective i think the public's patience has been worn beyond its elastic limit and we need to ensure that this is the last time that we are coming back restoring the assembly after a period of suspension and from our perspective the best way to ensure that we end this cycle of crisis and collapse is to reform the institutions to ensure they are durable and sustainable into the future. In relation to the green lanes and red lanes, would you be confident that Sir Geoffrey will be able to deliver on what he has said this morning, that there will be no checks, no paperwork in relation to the green lane? Well, look, the honest answer is I don't know, Frank. I mean, the only people who have seen all of the detail in terms of what's been agreed is the UK government and the DUP, and so it's for them to set that out and explain that. From our perspective, in terms of the deal, we have been pragmatic. We have always said that we want to minimise friction and barriers east-west and north-south. Indeed, that's why we supported remaining in the European Union. But the parameters have always been clear in terms of any deal would have to be consistent with the Windsor framework and also respect the principle of consent. We've received assurances that that is the case. 
So we, we will be pragmatic in terms of the outworkings of all of this. But what I'm also clear about is issues of divergence were addressed through Theresa May's backstop many years ago. So many of these principles have been conceded for an awfully long time. And the DUP and others refused to, to grasp those opportunities. So I think that this is a deal that could have been done many years ago without collapsing the executive. And I don't think any agreement is going to justify the damage which has been caused to our people and public services. But we are where we are. And looking to the future, I'm optimistic at the prospect of us all getting back to work and starting to deal with the challenges in our health service, tackle the cost of living and do all of the things that our constituents expect us to. There's a general election coming down the line and it looks like as if Jamie Bryson is going to stand for election. Would you be welcoming his presence as there's a chance he will split a unionist vote and possibly that could be to the advantage of the Alliance Party? Well, look, everyone's entitled to put themselves forward for election. I mean, at the moment, Jamie Bryson represents no one, and I certainly wouldn't fear Jamie Bryson entering the political fray. I think what has been clear is that the vast majority of people in Northern Ireland want the institutions to function. They want to prioritise health, education, and all of those issues, and they're pragmatic about the outworkings of the protocol. The great irony is, but Jamie Bryson claims the Windsor framework has been putting the union at risk, when in fact he, Jim Allister and others, are the people who have been placing the union at risk. The, the union does not hinge on the act of union. This isn't a debate club. It's not an academic argument. It hinges on the principle of consent in the Good Friday Agreement. And if people like Jim and Jamie Bryson and others consistently wish to act against the wishes of the majority of people in Northern Ireland, be that in terms of preventing government, government from functioning, be that in terms of backing a hard Brexit in the first place, or indeed blocking social change, which the majority of people in Northern Ireland support, then it is they who are placing the union in jeopardy. And I think the vast majority of people in Northern Ireland understand that. Well, they will argue, of course, that those who implement the protocol are putting the union in jeopardy. Uh, And that simply hasn't been borne out, Uh, Frank. You know, most people in Northern Ireland are pragmatic. A majority of people in Northern Ireland voted for parties who want to be pragmatic on the Windsor framework, who understand that Northern Ireland is still a part of the United Kingdom, but that we are a special case. We're the only part of the UK which shares a land border with the EU. We have North-South relationships. We're a divided society. And so we require special arrangements. We, we have always been a place apart on a number of issues. I mean, we have a different system of employment law. We have been a place apart on social issues to our shame for an awfully long time. We have different arrangements in terms of public sector pay at the moment as well. So that is devolution. That is the outworking of devolution. And it's about the people of Northern Ireland making decisions for themselves. So, look, I think we can dispense pretty quickly with Jim and Jamie Bryson's argument. I don't think either of them are interested in any deal. They have opposed the Good Friday Agreement and power sharing since the outset and they will do anything that they can to wreck that process. So I'm confident that this is the right decision and we're now on the right course. And I think most people in Northern Ireland will be relieved of the direction of travel. And just finally, if we are back at instalment in a number of days from now, where do you see the Alliance Party in terms of the ministerial role? Well, look, Frank, I think that that is a, that is a question for another day. I mean, we will be meeting other parties this morning and over the course of the next couple of days to put arrangements in place. There will be discussions about ministerial posts and all of those things. But look, we're, we're ready to get back to work and get back into an executive and do the job that we're elected to do, whatever ministry that may be. And that may be justice. Well, look, in previous years, we have been asked to take on the justice portfolio. That's not in our gift. It depends on the vote in the Assembly. So that is a negotiation that will have to take place with other parties. Um, and, and that will be become clear uh, uh, very, very soon. 
and I hope it's a matter of days um, that we're back in that assembly and executive delivering for people. Okay, Owen Tennyson of the Alliance Party, uh, thank you. It's half nine. You want all right, some of the things you're saying on the screens in front of me. The DUP have sold out the Loyalists. Sinn Féin will be running the country. There's no name on that, but that's exactly as it's written. Uh, Mark, however, sends this text. He says, I sent, a, I sent a text to you last week and I told you, uh, says Mark, that we were close to going back and now it has happened. The next step is the pay rises and the end of the strikes. It's not unelected Bryson's view on what is being said, but that of Sir Geoffrey Donaldson that counts, says says Mark, uh, listening to to the show. Um, this uh, is from Susie. Susie believes that Bryson is a DUP agent recruited from the top. And indeed, she goes on to say, don't be fooled. Well, I don't think we are fooled. I think we know that someone high up in the DUP has Jamie Bryson on board, but he's a thorn in the side of the man at the top of the DUP, who is Sir Geoffrey who is Sir Geoffrey Donaldson. And uh, this one, um, it's quite, a, quite, a, quite a few comments got are just sort of bypassing because they're incredibly vicious and unbroadcastable just about politicians in, in general. But we'll, we'll stick to the, the ones that are, without doubt, um, acceptable for radio. Remember, you're not on social media here. You're, you're on radio. Uh, Davey says, I, I think people are blind. They have not noticed the extra money we pay for goods coming from GB. I had an item with a £17 carriage charge and then was required to pay an extra 35 for delivery to NI. I believe the coalition of the Alliance Party, Sinn Féin and the SDLP are ignoring this. I don't always agree with the DUP but on this occasion I do, says Davy. and this texter says uh, Jamie Bryson standing for election, a lot of ha-ha-has uh, do you ever see how many likes he gets with his big following on Twitter? He, he might get a lot of rejection on Twitter but he does have a massive presence on social media and you know, in, in many ways, he stole the show last night. Whether you love him or loathe him, he managed to do something last night that gave us a window to what was going on in that private meeting. Having said that, the DUP leadership are suggesting that it didn't reflect accurately what was being said in the meeting. But as John Tong was saying, people were following his feed to hear and to get an understanding of what was happening at B, at, at the executive level of the DUP. And this uh, text says, uh, good morning, Francis. Now the uh, DUP are going back into government. How quickly will the pay rises come for the NHS, says Paul, concerned and underpaid worker, is how he describes himself. Uh, Paul, good morning. Good morning to you. And... Um, the, the, the few other comments there about Jamie Bryson, which if you want to absolutely hammer him, uh, go on social media and do it. Don't try to get me to read it out. Oh two eight nine oh treble three one oh five oh double seven double six one oh five one oh five for whatever's on your mind during the course of this morning. Lots to cover, and lots to do, and um, we'll be speaking speaking shortly uh, to our man who was there all of uh, last night, and indeed who was uh, covering this. Uh, through the night and into the small hours of the morning. And uh, let's see if he's um, still awake because he's been incredibly busy. Uh, Peter, you've been on all our stations, length and breadth of Ireland and the UK, and uh, you're on with us uh, now. It was a bit of a pantomime last night. I'm just wondering, with the comments from Sir Geoffrey this morning, that the green lane is now 
free from checks and free indeed from from paperwork. Will he be able to stand over that whenever we see the actual deal in in the very near future? Yeah, good morning, to you, Frank. I see some people um, challenging that already and just querying as to whether or not um, no paperwork, for example, um, means no customs paperwork or whether it uh, means no paperwork when the stuff actually um, is being sent by the retailer. So there, there is um, a lot to be seen in the detail. Um, but yeah, definitely a bit of a definitely a bit of a pandemic last night in terms of knowing where we're actually going to get a, a press conference and a statement from the DEP and. Um, what time that might actually that might actually come out? I didn't see myself yesterday afternoon um, sitting in Hinch Distillery until um, half one in the morning. Frank, I can tell you that. Yeah, it was surprising where they chose for the actual executive meeting and then for the press conference. But they were trying to make it as, especially the meeting, as secure as possible. This idea where someone was inside tweeting everything out to Jamie Bryson, it, it, it was Father Teddish and it was described as that indeed on social media by a lot of people. And then there's the great debate about how accurate his uh, retweets were. He stands over every word that was uh, printed whereas Sir Geoffrey Donaldson is suggesting that it wasn't an accurate reflection of the mood of the room. Totally, totally. Jimmy's been saying that what he was was uh, was reporting, if that's the right word to use, was um, was verbatim. Whereas with Sir Jeffrey, uh, he says it was total rep- misrepresentation of what was happening inside. But regardless of of, of whether it's fifty percent true or or hundred percent true, the, the embarrassment there for, for the DUP is that they thought they had a secure location that that um, you know so many measures were taken that, that the delegates who were going there from the executive only found out a number of hours beforehand where they were to go and again Frank another one so many stories running about last night not sure if this one's true or not but there were some reports that a number of executive members were given uh, different destinations to go to in an attempt to try and find out uh, who the leak was that had been leaking stuff before the meeting, uh, never mind the actual leak. And then we had that that farce of whether or not it was stopped, whether or not Sir Jeffrey was asking the, the, the police to try and block the signal, whether or not it was the job of the police to block the signal. The one thing we do, on, do know on the record um, is that um, the ASNI did come up with a short statement last night of about a line to say that that's not their job. Well, uh, you would imagine that it isn't their job because there, there's nothing against someone. There's no there's no law against someone uh, tweeting if they decide to tweet, even though there's a request in the venue for it to remain private. Yes, but it, I suppose it was the event itself was was an invitation only. If it, I would assume that to be part of the DEP executive, you need to be either you know elected or appointed by members of the constituency or members of the, the party. In terms of who's there, but it was, it was tight enough security. You know, I know when I turned up yesterday afternoon uh, as part of the, the the media cohort there, um, after other colleagues left on Dell Avenue and headed over to Larchfield. Once that broke about quarter past half five, where exactly it was going to be, you know, there were there were a couple of fellows with, with bibs on the gate to sort of Larchfield. You weren't allowed in if you were a protester. You weren't allowed in if you were media. You, know, you had to stay outside along that small country road. Uh, there was uh, only those that had been invited. And then even when we went as far as going to the the, the hinge, you know, it was a it was effectively a names on list, and you had to prove that you were from media, so that um, you know protesters or people who who weren't invited or who weren't desired to be there weren't able to get in the gate for that that press conference. 
Now, you're obviously reporting it as well for Times Radio and for our radio stations right across the, the UK. How How is this seen? Because when Sir Geoffrey Donaldson made his passionate statement on on the floor of the, the Commons uh, about a week ago, it, it didn't make Sky News. It certainly didn't make Sky News on the five o'clock hour that I was watching between five and ten to, five, ten to six. It, it, it never got any reference at all from, from Mark Austin. So is a lot of this going over the heads of the, the English audience or the, the British audience generally? Or will they become more interested in it now that Stormont is about to be reformed? Yes, the, 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 that reformation of, of Stormont, as you call it, Frank, is something that's attracting more interest now. Like for, for the, the past while, there's been probably development sense of boredom. Maybe like over in over in England, at least in terms of what's happening, they're interested from a political perspective, and they get interested. You know that two Fridays ago, whenever there was a, 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 an indication in the morning that there were going to be a yes or a no vote from the DP executive, you start to see interest spiking then on a day like that. But then it, 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 it dwindles again, and don't forget, you know the the, the national stations as well are looking at. Um, a whole range of agendas, and they're looking at what exactly put on the Tory party, what's happening with the elections, um, the, the Rwanda legislation that was going through yesterday as well. So lots of things that are happening there, the situation in the Middle East, you know, are all on their agenda, and those, those are all situations, uh, some of them more sad than others. Well, things are developing on, on a daily basis, and more of the reductible news report, but, you know, for, for people inside Northern Ireland, never mind people outside Northern Ireland, the fact that nothing's changing, the fact that we can't, sort our own politics. You know, it does become a bit boring at times. And it becomes a bit embarrassing as well, doesn't it? And I'm just wondering what they will have made out of how the pantomime developed last night. And indeed, the, the, the backstabbing that's obviously going on within the Democratic Unionist Party. Do you, do you think the person who was relaying the information to Jamie Bryson will eventually be revealed? Because it seems like as if it's someone well positioned. It's certainly someone who's very fast with their thumbs. Yes, absolutely, and that was the that was the, the talk of the place last night, Frank. In terms of you know how were they doing it? Were they what were they typing it? Could somebody have a radio mic? Could somebody open a phone call to Jamie Bryson and and um, and leave it open? You know, saw one wag suggesting on on X that um, maybe Sir Jeffrey or Gavin Robinson when they're doing the presentation should press a couple of buttons on the laptop and just make sure that somebody hadn't opened a Zoom call, you know, on the very laptop that they were using. But there the, 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 the will there will undoubtedly. The efforts made to try and um, find out who the person is, um, and again, person or people. If there's more than one, and, and, and I noticed some of the tweets that Jimmy Dyson was sending, he was um, not using a singular and was using the plural. Now, whether that's an attempt to, to divert people's thinking, um, but he was paying tribute to that person and saying that they would be, you know, through time, um, would be remembered as someone who'd done something strong and something positive for the union. But it was interesting to hear Sir Jeffrey last night was asked a question. Uh, about that, and he said, "Well, actually, you know, the word betrayal hadn't been used at all." He said in the meeting about the content of the meeting, nor was it used in any of the previous meetings that he had with party officers over the last few weeks. He said the only time that the word betrayal was used was whenever they were talking about the person inside the room who'd taken the decision to leak the information in real time. If indeed that's what happened um, to Jimmy Bryson. Uh, and finally, Peter, w- when would you expect Stormont to be back up and running? Well, we were able to have a conversation last night with some DUP officials just after the official press conference just when they were leaving. Their indication is that because things happened uh, 
into the early hours of this morning that the um, the agreement and the next steps from the government are likely to be um, happening in the next few days. We expect to see sight of the actual deal at some stage tomorrow. As you know, the parties who are entitled to be an executive will meet today. Chris Eaton says he's keen for that to happen. There was some talk last night that it might happen at the weekend in order to get it done. The indications are that it'll probably be after the weekend and that it'll be Monday, Tuesday. But you know, if, you, if you'd asked me yesterday, I what time would we have a decision with the DET and said half 10, 11 o'clock. At half 10, 11 o'clock last night, Frank, I was getting a guided tour of Hinch facility from Dr. Terry Cross, who owns it, to try and pass the time while we waited for Sir Jeffrey Donaldson to come up. And, like, you know, as a, as a teetotaler, I didn't think I'd be spending my Monday night in a distillery drinking Santa. <laughs> and I'm sure uh, all the journalists who uh, were there to all hours of the morning were being reminded of what it was like way back in the old days. And, you know, you're old enough, Peter, you wrote for the papers back in the old days. So, you know, it, it, uh, there, the, some of the younger cubs must have thought it's way past our bedtime. If I do a manic, Frank, I'm almost as, I'm almost as old as you. Now, but some of them were, yeah, they were, they were thinking, I'm going to get a bit of overtime here. Going to get a bit of overtime here while we wait for the DUB. Yeah, true. That's the, there's always a plus side. Uh, Peter, thank you very much indeed. Peter McVary, who was uh, covering it all uh, yesterday evening, last night, and still at it this morning. This is the U105 phone in. <laughs> 